John MacArthur uh, has long time been a pastor. He's 80 some, still preaching. It's, it's a marvel to me. But he once said to his congregation, I love this statement, if I could give you the gift, one gift, I would give you the gift of discernment. Why? Because it can save your life. And by the way, if you're not discerning, it can cost you much. It can. Why? Because the devil is out there and he's prowling around. In fact, the scripture says that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. Here's the problem. <laughs> the devil doesn't show up in the real world like a lion shows up in the, in the zoo. Everyone goes to the zoo and sees that lion running around. And you, I get this idea that, wow, that's the way the devil is. He's just out there bold and beautiful. But he's not. He's slithery. He's deceptive. A friend of mine went hunting one time in Africa. I don't know what he was hunting for, but they were cruising along in their, in their uh, car. Or it was actually kind of a uh, you know, SUV. And uh, he was in the back seat. His guide was in the front seat. And they came up to a place and they stopped. Scott had his window down. And um, the guide says, hey, roll your window up. And he could tell by the way he said it, it was like, roll it up quickly. He did. He rolled it up. And then he said, I want you to just look into the grass. You look until you see the face that I see. And just off the road, a few feet, was a lion. Not out there going, ha, I'm a lion. No, he was in the grass. Completely undetected at first. The guy later said this, he said, that lion has the ability to go from where he's sitting to in your window quicker than you can get one or two rounds of the window up. That's the way Satan works. He doesn't sit out there and go, I am going to tempt you, prepare to have your life ruined. I am going to seduce you and I am going to take you to do things that you've never thought you would do and compromise your character in ways you can never imagine. Saddle up. He doesn't do that. He's deceptive. And if we're not perceptive, if we're not discerning, Joshua tells us we're going to make some mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes can be really costly. Joshua had taken the nation of Israel up to Gilgal, 30 miles north from where they were at. I think it was a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous demonstration of leadership. You're leading a nation and they're heading into the promised land. They've never been there before. They don't know what it's like. And what does he do? He takes them back up to the place where Moses gave his last speech, where Abraham had built an altar and he chisels into the rock, the 10 commandments. And he says to the nation, we need to reset ourselves. We need to make sure that we are trusting the things that got us here. But like a lot of us, in the height of our best day is maybe where we are most vulnerable. In the height of our best day might be the day that we are most vulnerable. It's interesting, trending more this week than the Ukraine is a slap that occurred in California. I have no idea if it was staged. I'll let you make that decision. What I do like 
is what Denzel Washington said to Will Smith. Denzel said, Will, when you're at the peak of your career, be careful. Because that's where you're most vulnerable to Satan's attempts to destroy you. That's a good word. It is. Be a good word to share to Joshua. And therefore, I think it's a good word I want to share with you. Be careful. Be careful upon the backside of any great victory. Be careful when things are really going well. I'm not trying to make you nervous or anxious. I'm just saying that there is a devil out there. He's real and he desires, as the scripture says, to kill, to destroy, and and to deceive you. That's his passion. And he did, Joshua. How did he do it? Well, he they weren't alert. And the warning of Joshua is this, is to be alert to the opposition of the foe. Why? Because his purposes are always going to be self-serving. The nation, the Gibeonites, these individuals, this people group, they were in a list. You can see the list in Deuteronomy chapter 20. And it's the list that God gives to Moses, as is recorded here in the text, Moses, when you go into the promised land, these people need to be moved out. They're in the property that I want to give to you called the promised land. And by the way, their pagan practices are going to destroy the nation. A little leaven leavens the lump, God said. And if you allow them to exist, you got to drive them out and get rid of them. That was the word. And the Gibeonites heard that. They knew. And they thought, well, man, we heard what you did to Jericho, this unbelievably fortified city. We heard what you did to Ai. We heard what you did or what God did at the Jordan. And so they, if you will, preservationally decided, hey, we want to live. Now you might say, I would too. Yeah, I think I can understand that. But understand when people come to try and deceive you, as they did Joshua, they're not thinking of your best interest. They're not thinking of honoring God. They're thinking of preserving themselves. And so therefore, their plans were deceptive. What did they do? They came as a small group. It was an envoy. Before they left... It's only a 25-mile trip, North Woodburn, downtown Salem. It's a 25-mile trip, and they made it, and they lied about the location of where they came from. They said, we've come from a long way away, outside of the, if you will, get rid of zone. We have been traveling so far that our bread, which was hot when we left, is now moldy. And so they pulled out the moldy bread and gave them samples, kind of like what they do at Costco. At least (laughs) used to. And they lied about their purpose. We're here to be your servants. They'd come back to get them. Everything about what they did was a lie. Why? Because that's the nature of Satan. They didn't come and say, we're the Gibeonites. We only live only 25 miles up the road and we throw ourselves on the mercy of you and of God. They didn't do that. They lied. And that's the culture you and I live in. 
If you're one of those individuals that's kind of naive and, you know, you like to be believing the best in all people at all times, you're in trouble. You really need to get some wise people around you. Why? It's because that's not the world you live in. I'm not trying to turn you into a critical skeptic, an individual that trusts no one. I am trying to suggest to you that if you don't have discernment and discover where it comes from, you are vulnerable to walk outside of the will of God. Why? Because you may make a covenant with a person. You should have no business making a covenant. You may go into a business with a person you have no business going into business with. You may marry a person that you simply should never have said, I do. Naivety, Christian naivety, in the name of being gracious and loving is dangerous. Because it can blind your eyes as it did Joshua. And he exhorts us not only to be aware that it's oftentimes after our greatest victories that the enemy comes. But rather we also need to be discerning in the observations of the flesh. And this is maybe where I would suggest in this text Joshua makes his greatest mistake. He trusts himself. He trusts his own senses. What happened is, is he took things for face value. And the warning is, is you really can't do that. You have to dig a little bit. Joshua didn't dig. He didn't ask the question, why does an envoy from another nation come with no appropriate clothing? If you were to be an envoy coming from another nation, you would put on different clothes than travel clothes. You would put on clothes to present yourself respectably before the other nation. Secondly, if you had moldy bread, you would have gotten rid of it. You wouldn't have presented it to them as your case. You would have gotten rid of it because that would have been an offense to bring that out and to tell them taste it you can see we got moldy bread but what does the scripture tell us the scripture tells us that joshua believed it he believed everything why because the scripture tells us the men of israel sampled their provisions yep moldy You sure did come from a long way, I can tell. Boy, that's some pretty good research. (laughs) The fact is, you and I live in a world where people lie all the time. We can't afford to take things for face value. Sometimes you can get hurt really bad, sometimes not so much. Carrie and I, a number of years ago, we had some friends attended our church. They were involved in our church. They served in our church. They were involved in uh, a lot of different things. They, they were kind of a fun. They lived in our neighborhood. They had a real passion for art. I do too. I just have no class, no money, so I don't buy any. But the fact is, they did, and, and they were just kind of an intriguing couple. And we spent some time with them. We really enjoyed them. One day, he walked into my office and said, hey, I'm moving to, San, uh, to uh, Arizona. And I said, you guys are moving to Arizona? No, just me. It's like, you're getting a divorce? No. We're not married. You're what? You're not married? You've been telling, you joined our church. I was there when you joined the church. You talked about your marriage. You talked about your life together. This whole thing has been a scam? Yeah. Why'd you do that? Why, why did you lie in front of everyone? So well, my wife had a medical insurance policy we didn't want to lose and I had a trust that I didn't want to give up. And so the reality is we just thought, you know what? It's easier to just lie to people than to do what's right. 
It's easier to lie to people than to lose some money. I got a phone call from Verizon this past week. They were really, really kind people. They were going to save me a lot of money. They were. Because for some reason, I bought two phones and sent them to New York. I don't know anyone in New York. I don't even like New York. And so they said, Mark, did you send these two forms to, phones to New York? No, I didn't send these two phones to New York. Oh, we are here to save you uh, from somebody scamming you. Wow. Thank you very much. Uh, do you know where those phones are? Here's the ad. We got it. We're going to take care of it. Mark, can you give us some information? Oh, yes, I can. Would you like my social security card? <laughs> In fact, I have my debit card right here. Would you like access to that? You fool. I feel like it happens every week. That might be an exaggeration. Might be, maybe it's, you know, every eight days. It's insane, the world we live in. You can't afford to take things for face value. I know you want to be trusting, and that trust can be developed. But Joshua, I think one of the most seasoned, gifted leaders got duped. Why? Here's the point. Make sure you seek the wisdom of God. Would you look back with me, chapter 9? Verse 14, if you underline things in your Bible, you're going to want to underline this one. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Profound line. They trusted their senses. They didn't trust God. They trusted, yeah, we know moldy bread. Absolutely. I know when a person's telling me the truth. Maybe. I know of a gentleman who married a woman. Her entire life was a lie. He found out six months after he said, I do. It's tragic. I know of people who got, were bankrupt because they went into business that, with somebody that lied. And I would say in most cases that I know of, those individuals made a covenant, developed a relationship, and got into a situation, bought something, did something, and when they went back, they never made sure to seek the heart of God. And by the way, when you're seeking God, this is just a throw in for me, don't be impetuous. Don't be hasty. Seek him. Seek him and know that God loves to disclose his will to you. He does. Psalm 33 tells us that God delights to be, to make known his will. God passionately delights. I will confess over the years, there's been moments have like, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Big times like moving. When we moved from, from Colorado here, it was like, God, you got to make, I mean, there's a lot at stake. There's two churches. There's all kinds. It's going to be thousands of dollars. God, I don't want to make a mistake. God didn't reveal overnight. Sometimes he has, but he didn't reveal overnight the will of God to us. But I can tell you with absolute assurance, as I look back over my life, God has always in the right time revealed to me clearly his will. Ah, but here's a caveat that you need to commit to. 
We don't seek God's will like customers who look at options, but rather like servants who listen for orders. If you're going to seek God's will, and you really want to know it, and Joshua didn't, God, what do you want us to do with these folks? Are they telling the truth? Joshua has had plenty of moments where God did the supernatural. God could do that. Are they telling the truth? Are they really from a long, long way away? Or are they inside the, if you will, it's kind of, kind of sick, but are they inside the kill zone? Or are they outside of that, Lord? You need to tell us because we're about ready to make a covenant with them. And if we make a covenant, God, then we have to keep our word. Some of you are about to spend a lot of money for whatever the reason may be. Here's the question. Are you willing to seek God's will? Not as a customer, but as a servant. Are you willing to come to God and say to him, whatever is your will, God I have my preferences. I have what I think and I have observed might make a good decision. But here's what I don't know. I don't know the future. I couldn't even tell you the weather tomorrow, nor can a weatherman. The reality is we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know the future. And we don't know what God is going to do in the future. And therefore, seeking him in the present is the wisest thing we can do to keep us from being Deceived. Joshua didn't. And his warning is this. On your greatest day, after your greatest victory, might be the greatest vulnerability in your life to the enemy sending somebody. Why is it your greatest threat And at that moment? Here's the reason. It's because after your greatest victory, you actually think, boy, I'm pretty good. I've kind of got this down. I think Joshua did. I mean, we took on AI. We took on Jericho. You guys are coming here. (laughs) You poor poppers. You got moldy bread. Uh, You're not a threat. It is a threat. When you don't take every decision before God. But when we finish today, we also need to be reminded that some of us in this room, probably all of us, are sitting on former decisions that we didn't seek God. Maybe we're in relationships that we look back and say, I probably shouldn't have made this. Or maybe we bought things that we think shouldn't have bought. What do we do then? Be assured. Because of the scripture, be assured of the kindness of God. It requires, I think, number one, is that when you make a mistake, own it. Joshua did. I think it's kind of amazing because I think my flesh would have said, you guys lied to me. All bets are off. Joshua didn't. In this, I think Joshua was truly honorable. He made a covenant and he kept it, even though he realized later they lied. He hadn't sought God and the whole thing was a mess. And instead of going back and rationalizing, which I think my flesh might have been tempted to do, he's just like, you guys lied to us. We're done with you. Take your moldy bread. I'm going to cram it down your throat and send you into the river. But he didn't. We're going to let you live. You are going to be servants, of which they were the rest of their lives. You are going to be servants to the temple of God. You're going to cut a lot of wood. And you're going to carry a lot of water. Man, we do a lot of sacrifices around here, and we need both water and wood. 
And the fact is, is that's what, what they did the rest of their life. But Joshua owned it. He owned his mistake. He owned the consequences of it. And he made the best decision that he could. I think that's admirable. But God's kindness is what strikes me. And God's kindness will often cover for our unwise decisions. That's not to excuse away a lack of discernment. Uh, Those consequences can be really tough. And note I said God's kindness will often, not always. Sometimes you're going to live with it and it's going to really hurt. But in this case, God was exceedingly kind both to Joshua and to the Gibeonites. Turn with me to chapter 10 just for a moment if you would. Chapter 10, let's start at verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all of the best fighting men. What was he going up against? It's the remaining nations that decided they'd heard about the Gibeonites making that that, uh, treaty. uh, And they were like, going to have nothing of it. And we're going to take out Israel and we're going to take out the Gibeonites, you traitors. And they were mad. But listen to what God says to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, verse 8, do not be afraid of them. Who's them? This, these other nations. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. God's grace never excuses my poor decision making. But God's grace always is readily available when I have made poor decisions. When the scripture says God's mercies are new every morning, they are new every morning. And how kind of God to me. Joshua, you blew it again. Yeah, I did. I got arrogant. I got kind of haughty. I didn't seek the face of the Lord. I got lied to. I put us into a relationship. You say, well, that's not so bad. Look at the number of times Israel got into a relationship with another nation and it ended up being the very demise of Israel. It's a big issue. You marry the wrong person. It's a big issue. You marry a person who's fractured in their character and not aligned with you. That's a big issue. You go into business with somebody who has a completely different value set than you do. That's a big issue. Don't treat those as, oh, well, you know, bought the wrong color lollipop. No, it's a lot bigger than that. But even in that moment when Joshua was unfaithful to God, God is kind to him. God's kindness will often cover for our unwise decisions. I think even God extends his kindness to the Gibeonites. You didn't own up. You weren't honest. But God let them live. Not just Joshua. God let them live. God could have early come back, easier come back, I think, to Joshua and said, Joshua, you dishonored me. You take care of the Gibeonites and everyone else. And God other times has done that. But even in this, he was gracious to that nation. My friends, you and I live in a world where people lie to us all the time. Because they are the children of the devil. Who comes, as the scripture says, to steal and to kill and to destroy. You can't help that. You're going to live in that world. 
Can't change that. You walk out of that door and that's the world you're going to walk into. What you can help is are you going to be a person of discernment? Seeking the will of God as a servant, not as a customer. Because God loves to delight his people with revealing his will. But also note this. God will always be benevolent. He will. There's a couple of ladies in Florida. One was 34, one was 44, and they got arrested. What was their crime? They were dressing up like elderly women. I know, sounds weird, huh? They were 34 and 44, and they dressed up like elderly women to go get vaccines ahead of their schedule. But their dress-up artist was pathetic. And the doctor saw immediately and said, you're not senior citizens. And they got fined, as they should. People do that every day. They'll shade the truth. They'll withhold things. They'll justify. That's the world you live in. It's the world I live in. You don't have to be afraid of it. But gifts may not always be beneficial. Sometimes people offer you a lot. Sometimes people say, yep, I'm completely changed. It's okay to vet it out. It's not unchristian to ask a few questions. Joshua should have. But even when we fail, and we will, don't use that as an excuse, but we will, even when we fail. The days where I'm deceived are also the days that my father is always going to be kind to me. And sometimes he's so lavish in his grace, he'll even be kind to the people who lie to me. So I don't like that. Yes, you will. When you stand before Christ and he puts his arms around you and you feel the full measure of his grace, you're not going to want to restrict it to even people who have lied to you. That doesn't mean you set yourself up to be deceived.